You don't know how you found me. You don't know who I. You can't turn me off and say goodbye. I'm saying, follow me. Everything is alright. I'll be the one to talk to you on your drive, and if you want to leave a five-star rating, that would mean the world to me. Ah, oh, you've no idea how many takes it took to get that right. Did I get it right? I'm not sure. Anyhow, uh, I just want to pop on before we start episode two by saying thank you to everyone who has listened to the first episode. Feedback has been fantastic. Please do one favor for me before you listen to episode two, and that is by pressing the follow button and turning on the notification. So when I upload an episode, you will get a notification saying it is now ready to listen to. And that would mean the world. Also, if you could, please give it a rating. So five star rating will really bump me up on the charts. More listeners, obviously, the more podcasts I will do. So yeah, that's my news. Hope everyone is well listening to this, and I hope you enjoy episode two of the James Carpool. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome along to the James Carpool. I am your host, James K. Today, we'll drive into topics that are fascinating, interesting, and also surprising. But first, seatbelts. Check. Check mirrors. Check. Let's hit the road. James K. Carpool. James K. We've all seen our fair share of the world's most romantic proposals, the ones which involve candlelit dinners, crashing waves, whale song. You get the drift. What we don't hear enough about, the proposals that went wrong, and the ones that were just plain wrong in the first place. Today, I will read five of the worst proposals ever, according to Reddit. The one with all the confusion. A guy I knew, a really stupid guy, got his girlfriend a diamond ring as a birthday present. Not intending any larger message, she unwrapped it and said, Oh, stupid guy, of course I will. He went through with it rather than deal with the awkwardness. It didn't last. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming. The one with the big drop. A guy wanted to propose to his girlfriend at Disney World, very common, usually in front of the castle, usually with staff involved for pictures and stuff. Usually Disney will do what they can to make it special. But no, this genius, this man of men, decided he had to step it up a notch. Decides to do it on Splash Mountain at peak, right before the drop. And he dropped the ring. Holding and kissing and loving and showing that you care. The one with the almost heart attack. My wife says that the way I proposed was a traumatic experience and she wishes that I had done something a bit different. She was six months pregnant with our first child. We were living in our first shared crappy apartment getting ready to go to a fair. Why I didn't do it at the fair or something I couldn't tell you. What I did do was remorsely tell her that there was something we needed to talk about. I sat her down and proceeded to tell her there was something bugging me in the relationship. And the way I see it, there is only one way to fix it. Will you marry me? She genuinely thought I was breaking up with her and leaving her stuck with a child to raise on her own before those last words came out. She started crying and eventually hit me, then said yes. I am so lucky to have her. I just wish I could have asked 
in a little different way. Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming. The one with the diet plan. The way my dad proposed to my mum, it just happened randomly. Dad, how much weight do you think you can lose by September? Mum, weight? What? Dad, I was thinking we could have the wedding den. He's not known for having a lot of tact. Holding and kissing and loving and showing that you care. The one with the STD. My ex cheated on me. We broke up, spoke some and decided to work on it. It had been at that point a two-year relationship and just a week away from Valentine's Day. I refused to sleep with him again until he got tested. I didn't think he actually had something. He did an incurable something. He came over, told me. I cried. I said something to the effect of, if I have this, I'm ruined for everyone else. He said, if you have the STD, you want to get married? Wishing and hoping and thinking and praying, planning and dreaming. The one that is literally the worst. My husband proposed during a weed-induced fucking session. I said yes, and he never remembered afterwards. We got married anyways. Holding and kissing and loving and showing that you care. Some people have dreamed of getting married from a young age. The dress, the venue and the person they love. Before the marriage comes the engagement. And I'm sure many of you have dreamed of that too. Where will it happen? What the ring will be like? Who will be the person bending down on one knee? So many questions. Getting down on one knee has been the tradition for centuries and we've seen it both in movies and real life. But where does it come from? Well, wedding website's engagement ring bible wanted to find out exactly why it happens and it turns out it goes back to actual medieval times. Knights would get down on one knee in front of their lord as a display of respect, obedience and loyalty. It was also a common occurrence in religious ceremonies and in those days marriage and religion were intrinsically linked. So when a courteous gentleman was proposing to his lady, pledging his allegiance to her and declaring his undying love for her, getting down on one knee was the natural thing to do. While many may choose to not go down on one knee, which is absolutely fine, they're still asking you to marry them, remember? If they do, it's basically a very old way to show you they love and respect you. Look me square in the eyes and tell me you love me. As far as what knee you're supposed to propose on, there's no set rule, but most people do it on their left knee because the majority of them are right-handed and it makes it easier to position themselves and open the box with the ring, which is pretty important. Now get out there, you gorgeous-looking people, and go fall in love. Or don't. It's up to you, really. James, after almost 30 years, we have to say goodbye to an iconic TV show. Soccer AM will bid us farewell in just nine weeks following the decision to pull the plug on the cult Sky TV production. Over its time, hosts including Tim Lovejoy, Helen Chamberlain, Andy Goldstein, Max Rushton and more kept us truly entertained. While crew members like Tubes, Tubes and Rocket provided much needed relief and hilarity. 
While some of the sketches were huge misses, there were plenty of hits along the way that continued right up until its cancellation. Let's now look back at the best of them down through the years. Loving football is a crime, then hang me high. There are plenty of evil Sarahs out there. Sarah is the type of evil girl who will do everything in her power to prevent Chip from watching football. The type of girl who likes putting candles around the bath whilst reading articles in more like 10 reasons why your man might be a love rat. Anyway, anyway, you lot are doing your bit. Here are the efforts from last week. One of the earliest features from the show was the Save Chip feature which to many outside of the show's following would have caused massive confusion. I mean, who is Chip? Why does he need saving? And how come he has such a big following? The origins of it were from presenter Tim Lovejoy's friend called Chip and casually mentioning how he couldn't watch as much football as he wanted due to a hectic home life. It took just weeks before it became a huge hit of a story and an on-running gag. Supporters were often seen pinning up Save Chip banners at football grounds while producers of the show would also end up finding the material as far out as Ashes cricket matches in Australia. It was a classic case of football related content going viral in the 1990s well before the internet boom. It even appeared on a football manager game and an episode of EastEnders. Another football viral of its time, and yes, it was just a simple design, consisting of just one word on repeat. Yet it caught on heavily, there were plenty of football grounds up and down the country in the late noughties, where when a team went two, or even one nil up, the chant of EASY, EASY, EASY would soon follow. But that too spread out away from football. Soccer AM fans soon ensured dart venues would become embroiled with the chant. While even Jeff Stelling on Soccer Saturday couldn't help but get caught up in the moment when his beloved Hartley Pool would grab a lead. I have to tell you, my boss has been on the phone and told me to be more professional when it comes to Hartley Pool. So I'm going to gird my loins and I'm going to have a lot of self-control when we look at the bottom of lead two. We're coming to get you! <laughs> Look out, boys! It wasn't all just small references gaining a massive following. Some of Soccer AM's best content was educational as well as entertainingly funny, silly and downright bonkers at times. Take Frankie Fryer and the Away Days segment. Lights, camera, action! This week, Frankie's in Berlin, apparently the capital of Germany. Nutty for an away day's Champions League final special. Barcelona versus Juventus, Barca versus the old lady. Juventus. Love it! Elfrida St. Pet. That is one of the most visited landmarks in the whole of Germany. Brandenburg Gate. But this is the brat worst food I've ever seen. Aye, aye. The legendary Berlin Wall. A wall in Berlin. What more do you need to know? From week to week, dressed in the same long brown jacket, jeans and far too much jewellery, Frankie would go from ground to ground describing historical elements of the stadium, 
the club that played for and maybe even the region in general, all with a Cockney accent. It sounds ridiculous and it often was, but it was damn funny too, especially as the character's actor Adam Smith would often play the role with huge exaggeration and over-the-top mannerisms, like a child hyped up on a can of Red Bull. Tubes. Tubes, whose real name is Peter Dale. He's a regular on Sky's hit show Soccer AM and the majority of people who tune in, tune in for Tubes. He was originally an assistant producer on the show but became known for his comical appearances. He originally appeared as Peter the Test Tube Baby before becoming more popular as Tubes. His popular role on the show would be coming up and asking one question and one question only to a celebrity guest. He would then perform a ludicrous rap before asking the person a question. Here's a very rare clip of him, let's just say, fluffing his lines. All right, then, you've got one question and one question only. Who's your question to today? It's for Nadine. Oh, yeah. Get ready. Big time. scared. <laughs> You're in. My name is L. You're pretty swell. Oh, my gosh, I love you. Oh, I don't know what I've just done. <laughs> It's understandable, yeah. yeah. I can see it was again. Go. Is it the pretty lady that's put you off, Tubes? Yes. <laughs> Tubes, would you like another go? No, thanks. Uh, <laughs> We've got to hear it. Have you got a question still? Yeah. All right. Go on, then. <laughs> when are we going for a drink? He would often rip his buttoned shirt open, revealing his bare chest. Tubes would also film interviews with celebrities such as meeting them during a film promotion or on the red carpet at an award ceremony. One of his most famous moments on the show was when he met Guns N' Roses icon Slash at a guitar store in Epsom. Due to the nature of his rhymes, Tubes informed Slash that he liked mash during his rap before smashing potatoes into his face. The bizarre joke caused the interview to be cut short due to his weekly binge drinking exploits. Former Soccer AM host Tim Lovejoy called for pub landlords across the country to ban Tubes from their establishments for his own good. Some of Tubes' catchphrases include sickening, sickness and sick. In a nod to the lads, mag era of the early noughties, Soccer AM celebrated the female form with their Soccerettes feature. Every week, a woman football fan would come onto the show and model a jersey of her favourite football team. There was innuendo gags, most amusingly, when the fan would be asked about her marital status, which could be followed by rampant cheers if single, while a crew member would run onto the screen with his shirt off. Bada, 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 I'd, uh, I'd like to welcome both of them you to the show. Sorry, um, I'd like to welcome you to the show. What is your name? April Thomas. April Thomas. Okay. How old are you? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Do you think you stopped growing yet? <laughs> what is your marital status? Single. Oh, yeah! 
have a boyfriend? Yes. Oh. What's his name? Gordon Hall. Gordon, how long have you been out with him for? Eight months. He'll never last. never last. Now, your fascinating fact, you dislocated your shoulder whilst going down a water slide in Milton Keynes. That's I did, true. I did. Was it painful? Very painful. So there was you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to imagine it. There's you, <laughs> right? In a bikini? No, swimsuit. Swimsuit. Okay, swimsuit. Going down the slide and it just popped out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you, can you, can you? Are we, are we all thinking about it? Yeah, we all got it. And, and who, who popped it back in for you? <laughs> doctor. Good. Lucky, lucky doctor. Hey. Famous soccerettes have included Natalie Sawyer, Jennifer Metcalf, Lucy Pinder, Tamsin Greenway, Gemma Atkinson and Louise Cliff before it was scrapped in 2015. The show was launched by presenter and producer Tim Lovejoy in 1995, which was also presented by Helen Chamberlain for 22 years, Lovejoy said in 2020. I wanted to make a football show that you could enjoy without liking football. It was people having fun, and I've always thought that's what TV should be. We love it. We love it. We love it. Love it. Love it.